Yeah, look, I'm sure if you had Pfizer able to yeah, give doctors cocaine tablets and market them without advertising the side effects, then yeah, more people more people would do it and more people would die from it. In fact, that is kind of what happened about 100 years ago, not necessarily Pfizer, but they were selling they were selling these kind of like cocaine cough syrup drops and, and tablets just over the counter. Right, Coca-Cola right over the counter. Exactly. Hello and welcome to the Mindfulness Experience podcast brought to you by our official media partner for the Wonderland Miami 2023 conference, working with Microdose. I'm your host, Keith Fiveson. And today we have an exciting guest who's making waves in drug policy and psychedelics with extensive experience in reporting for some of the top publications in the industry, including The Guardian, Vice, and Double Blind. Matha Busby has been on the forefront of Western psychedelic renaissance. Matha has also recently launched his podcast, Uncharted Territory, where he discusses the impact of and the renaissance with his guest and in addition to that his first book should all drugs be legalized was published by thames and hudson in 2022 making him a leading voice in the conversation around drug policy i'm excited to have him as our guest please welcome matha busby All right, all right, all right. Martha, how are you? Yeah, very well. Thanks very much for the generous introduction, Keith. <laughs> well, it's so exciting to have you here, and I, I really appreciate your perspective. And, uh, you know, your thought around this and uh, you coming out with this book, I think is really uh, a very important book and a really uh, important discussion. I had, I've had this discussion ever since I was 17, so for the last 50 years... I've been really focused on the fact that I believe personally that all drugs should be legalized and they should be classed specifically the ones that are legalized now are the worst. You know, they're the absolute worst, whether or not it's whether or not it's SSRIs or whether or not it's, you know, um, uh, op uh, opioids. Right. You know, we look at that show Painkillers. I don't know if you've seen this Netflix show. Very powerful on. Uh, Purdue Pharma and on what the FDA did and really what the impact has been globally. So I do see some opportunities here. Um, it's great to have you on the show. So you've extended, extensively reported on drug policy and psychedelics in Europe and America. What sparked your interest in reporting on this topic? Yeah, I mean, in much the same way as you, I see yeah, the way that pharmaceutical companies are able to market certain drugs, you know, Adderall, like, it's not that different to illegal amphetamines. And, yeah, there's just a kind of disconnect between what people mm. can mm -hmm. do with plants that they find from nature and, and right. yeah, what legal entities can do with, yeah, as I say, pills that are very similar to the ones that are illegal if they come from different sources um yeah. and I'm, I'm i'm totally i'm totally in agreement with that because i'm i am finding it uh difficult when we talk about drugs you know drugs has a very bad stigma 
the name drugs to it. You know, but then, you know, we look, and even psychedelics, but we look at entheogens, as you just said, plants. And, you know, they're from the ground, they're from the earth. You know, why are we, why are we forbidding people to go ahead and, and, you know, work with plants? That sounds so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, the UK just banned laughing gas, right? So people face the possibility <laughs> of a two-year prison mm -hmm. sentence just for doing it and something like 14 years, correct me if I'm wrong, for selling selling it. Mm. Only if it's not being used for like a legitimate purpose, like catering or or filling up a balloon or yeah, whipping cream or something. And this this all came about because of the litter, really, like people leaving the canisters everywhere. And obviously that's not a great thing. Mm. Mm. And, you know, we should figure something out. But it seems to me that, mm. yeah, more sensible policy would just be like a, you know, pan or like bottle return scheme and let people crack on with, you know, the laughing gas, which unless it's used in crazy quantities is pretty harmless. But but the thing mm. is, some people do use it in in crazy quantities and, and do. What do, do they do? They go out and buy it. How, where do you get, you buy it in the store? Or you buy it all in the in the underground or what, what? What? where are people getting it from? Because we've used it certainly on our whipped cream and you know, have had a grand time with it. I mean, it hasn't you know, we all laughed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the clues in the name. I, I had this story published yesterday and I was yeah referencing my friend Mike Jay's new book Psychonauts and the making of the modern mind I believe it's titled and yeah these folks like William James father of American psychology Humphrey Davy yeah they they were some of the original psychonauts mm. and mm -hmm. yeah they're mm -hmm. talking about experiencing something akin to unity consciousness thanks to nitrous oxide right. and yeah in in the best conditions I think it does provide that sort of portal i don't think i don't think necessarily if you've had a, a big night taking every drug under the sun and drinking loads and just doing a balloon on the street corner is mm -hmm. going to be that enlightening but yeah certainly wow not this is a, this is the first time i've heard of this I, I i i i really can't believe this metha i really can't what what is going on what yeah i mean that's that's kind of the topic of my talk right at, at mm -hmm. wonderland Mm -hmm. is that yeah on on various metrics and mm -hmm. and indeed you know certain examples like this one the the us is somehow yeah more enlightened than mm -hmm. the uk obviously mm -hmm. then it, it depends on the fact that there's state law in the us and mm -hmm. there's actually more direct democracy in the us and there's a more kind of federal 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 kind of centralized system in the uk that's that's more resistant to change but yeah, considering the U.S. was the main propagator of, of, of this war on drugs. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, so right? So you're from the UK. Churches. You're from the UK. And, you know, certainly you're in Devon. And, you know, we're having this conversation. We're going to meet in Florida, I hope. And, you know, but is there, there's this, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, you know, kind of conservatism. And I'm wondering if that could have something to do with it. Because not far away, you go over to the Netherlands. And, you know, you can, you know, whether or not it's cannabis or truffles or anything else for that matter, you know, you really have a very, very different environment. And it's, you know, it's much more of a reformed environment from a, you know, a, a religious viewpoint. Do you think that has anything to do with it? I guess, yeah. Some some countries 
mm-hmm. just have more of a let's say cognitive libertarian mm-hmm. approach than others i don't know maybe the mm-hmm. fort police in england is yeah more 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 intense than than that in holland maybe they've just always been smoking weed so they yeah i mean you guys are still wearing things. wigs in the courtroom i mean you know come on <laughs> yeah i mean why are the why are you american guys yeah so into cults and yeah the weird and the wacky and shouting out from the rooftops what is there some fundamental thing that makes you more gregarious than us brits possibly you know because of the awful things that happened just 300 years ago or the fact that the brits are like this kind of introverted shy island race simply because of geographical reasons you know Mm. feeling this post-imperial nostalgic melancholia Mm. that there isn't really in the in the u.s although that's one can you repeat that please that post please repeat what you just said it's not my phrase it's not my phrase but it's a great phrase nostalgic melancholia so it's this this kind of state of being Mm -hmm. where i think a lot of a lot of folks are Mm partly because of the media right and what people were led to believe about yeah british Mm -hmm. supremacy isolationism blah 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 but now we're just at this point and it's like well what do we believe in we haven't even got the church anymore right Right. and there's just like a shyness as well you know obviously people do do magic mushrooms in Mm -hmm. in the uk yeah i don't know if it's to the same extent in terms of like the percentage of the population but yeah in the in the us definitely people are more prepared to set up organizations right. even without right. invoking the religious freedom stuff right. and just be like look we're doing this come join us if you want right well i certainly know the uh, a few folks in the uk uh some uh you know very um very much looking at microdosing and and working with mushrooms so there's there, there's a lot of that mom's microdosing uh but uh you know there's a long story past here and you know I, I think the prohibition and the stigma surrounding them is changing. Uh, what's your view and, you know, in terms of the psychedelics in the uh, industry in the U.S., very different in terms of the way the laws are. California just legalized it, you know, and we now have, you know, several states. So, you know, beyond the ethos or beyond the, you know, is there anything else? I mean, because from a medical viewpoint what's really driving it here is the map studies and the the efficacy rates of being able to deal with you know uh whether or not it's depression or you know uh, a whole host even addiction you know uh kentucky has just legalized or put together 42 million dollars in a study for harm reduction and getting people using ibogaine to get them off of opioids so there's a whole other you know there's a uh, but you're saying that it's very state that that there's a stigma and it's very slow in the UK versus the US yeah yeah I think so I mean there was a debate in Parliament the other week and yeah some pretty sympathetic noises were made through throughout the chamber about yeah psilocybin and its therapeutic potential but yeah you can't can't compare just like some of the some of the snail paste stuff just a, a conversation about moving it from schedule one to schedule two so yeah kentucky moving towards fun entirely funding a clinical study for ibogaine but you know the us is a lot larger so therefore it's a lot more likely that you know more think like well more things are obviously going to happen if there's more people and more land and a, and a more kind of diffuse political structure but yeah, I think 
all over the world, for the most part, the English-speaking world at least, yeah, the, the, the kind of taboos, if you like, of 15, 20 years ago are fading fast because mm -hmm. everyone's getting high. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows someone that's either benefiting or is drinking less or is just on paper sympathetic to this stuff because, yeah, one good thing about humans is, yeah, we're stubborn, but we're only stubborn for so long. Like when, when you start seeing the data, when you start seeing these vets talking about how they had awful PTSD and then smoked 5-MeO and now they're, you know, managing Urine. it. Yeah, manage. Yeah, you can't, you can't kind of deny and, that. And the efficacy rates are much higher. I mean, you look at psilocybin or uh, 5-MeO, uh, DMT, and you look at those efficacy rates and, you know, I mean, even uh, they're, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent, you know, and, you know, even looking at ketamine, you know, ketamine uh, with uh, treatment resistant depression or suicidal ideation, we do see the capability of, of, of using that. But you're saying that it's it's pretty much stopped. Now, you've written this book. Um, it's slowing down in the UK, as, in other words. Uh, you've written this book. I want to talk about it. You know, should all drugs be legalized? What inspired you to write it? And, you know, what was one of the most surprising things you learned during your research? Yeah, I mean, I was kindly um, invited to, yeah, write the books. It was like part of a series about these like zeitgeisty questions. Should we save the planet? Can we save the planet? In fact, um, is masculinity toxic, et cetera. Um, yeah, I mean, one interesting thing that came out of it was Nick Clegg, the, the deputy, former deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom, saying that he once spoke to Felipe Calderon, who was the president of Mexico at the, the time of the war on drugs being launched. And he said that he told him privately that it was totally futile as early as like 2006. He kind of knew, you, you know, you, you, hmm. people, people like, yeah, people want drugs. Like, I don't take cocaine, but you know, a bunch of people do, and it's going through Mexico from Colombia to get to the States. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, surely makes more sense just to, yeah, provide a kind of legal and regulated framework. Because, you know, whatever you want to say about the pharmaceutical companies, they're not fighting in the streets over, mm -hmm. yeah, supply lines for bloody Adderall or Ritalin, are they? Mm -hmm. Now, my premise is, is that, you know, governments... Uh, should manage not only manage. I believe in sort of like the Portugal model. You know, um, I you know I believe drugs should be legalized, and you know, from a schedule viewpoint and from a social viewpoint, there should be more social programs to help individuals. You know, whether or not it's you know, police should be trained in psychology, not in brutality or force. You know, because there are a lot of people that are acting out that are you know imbalanced they're hyper aroused they have hyper anxiety they're not they may be somewhere on the spectrum you know uh, who knows i think when we start taking a look at bipolar whatever but we do know that from a use of psychedelics you know we see a lot of the curative power of it the whether or not it's neurogenesis or you know uh, being able to have neuroplasticity all of these things are really wonderful uh, but then you mentioned cocaine. So, you know, when we look at like the, the, the highest death rates, they're legal. Alcohol, 150,000 a year. You know, uh, opioids, 75,000 a year, certainly here in the U.S. And then, you know, cocaine is a whole other, 
you know, bale of wax. You mentioned Adderall before, you know, uh, whether or not it's Adderall or methamphetamine, they're very close. So, you know, what do we do about this? And what, what, what about your book and how can that help move the needle? Yeah, look, I'm sure if you had Pfizer able to, yeah, give doctors cocaine tablets and market them without advertising the side effects, then yeah, more people, more people would do it and more people would die from it. And in fact, that is kind of what happened about 100 years ago, not necessarily Pfizer, but they were selling, they were selling these kind of like cocaine cough syrup drops and, and tablets just over right. the counter. Coca-Cola, right over the counter. Got it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they deny it. They deny yeah. it now. But I mean, clearly, clearly, right. clearly it was. And it's still flavored from an extract of the coca leaf. Right. Um, right. But yeah, like, it's, it's no panacea. Yeah. People, people having like serious bad trips. There's charlatan shamans all over the place. You know, even, even, um, yeah, laughing gas balloon. Yeah. I was a bit, I was a bit like flippant about it earlier, but you know, even, even that could, yeah, makes, make someone have, have a bad time. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're not saying that this is all butter butterflies and rainbows, but mm -hmm. clearly a lot of these drugs are a lot more beneficial used in the right way mm -hmm. than some of the legal drugs, regardless of how the legal drugs are used. Right. And, and when we look at uh, Purdue Pharma and what happened with the FDA and basically they were you know, uh, basically drug dealers uh, that got everybody hooked. They said it wasn't, uh, you know, that it wasn't addictive and people pop it and basically heroin in a pill. So, you know, um, what do you do with that? And that's, those are legal drugs and they're still legal and they still haven't paid any price. And we're trying to get the good stuff to market, whether or not that's the, you know, whether or not that's uh, entheogens or whether or not it's, you know, some of the uh, but biopharma is very much involved with it so i do believe and i'm wondering what your thoughts are is that really it is the it is the india the industry the pharmaceutical industry and the cartels around that and the the tension and maybe the power structures that really uh make these drugs some illegal and some more le more legal uh but yet you know addictive what are your thoughts yeah, I mean, I was in Texas a few months ago and I hurt my back and mm -hmm. I was in quite a lot of pain and some friends gave me some oxys and I'd never tried them before. And actually they were great, really, really helped. I mean, it sort of just masked the pain and I was still in pain the next day and I didn't have any more oxys, so I didn't take any more. Um, so I wonder, I wonder like, yeah, it got me through the day, but I'm, I wonder if it like delayed any sort of process. But, you know, I didn't didn't get addicted, I guess. Only took, only took them once. I'm sure, yeah, all these things used in the right way is is fine. It's it's just, yeah, they're clearly clearly not being, yeah, used in the right way when they're being, like, stuffed down people's necks. Um, but what, what was the question? I know I was, like, riff, riffing on the final point. Yeah, I think the, I think the question was is, you know, um, why, it, why are some drugs that are bad for you legal and other drugs that are good for you, they really help promote, you know, brain growth or neurogenesis or, you know, neuroplasticity. You know, why do you think that is so? Is it just stupidity or, you know, as you say, it's about some people abusing it. But I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a deeper 
thing here and you know you write about it so what are your thoughts yeah sure i mean on the face of it is a series of historical anomalies right so yeah the drugs used by colonial elites became imper impervious to prohibition mm -hmm. alcohol and other things uh, the kind of sober intoxicants that arrived 16th 17th century in europe cacao sugar tea coffee all just very palatable and were commercialized mm -hmm. you know with the western companies taking the vast majority of, of of the surplus um early doors and then yeah i guess slightly later on you've got opium coca um and yeah out, out in mexico and elsewhere peyote and yeah it seems to me to have been in some part yeah about social control and that yeah certain groups used some of these drugs more openly than others i mean mm -hmm. peyote uses a sacrament also mushrooms mm -hmm. seems to me that they they tried to ban it because it was a it was a, like an alternative source of spiritual mm -hmm. power mm -hmm. aside from the church mm -hmm. i mean the opium thing is obviously a bit more complicated the opium wars that the uk fought against china to have the right to be able to sell tons of it mm -hmm. And we were also, yeah, making it available in pharmacies through like Laudanum, I think is the name of one of the right. one of the brands. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, when the addictive nature of it became clear, the the, mu the mood music sort of changed. And mm -hmm. and same same with the cocaine stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's obviously a deeper tale mm -hmm. about so yeah some groups using it more openly than others, and those groups tending to be. Of, of color and, and non-white and then yeah many of these drugs just being dressed up into pharmaceutical right. drugs right and i and i do believe that as we started to see timothy leary and the you know the movement the psychedelic movement in the 60s and the 70s that you know nixon uh and uh you know the fbi shut down were able to shut down a whole potential revolution if you will yeah you no, know, it was a genuine counterculture yeah, it was a gen genuine phenom phenomenon phenomenon and, and you and shut that's them all down been, with drugs yeah yeah that's one argument to have gone through the medicalization route mm -hmm. now because mm -hmm. it's like all right guys mm -hmm. we'll, we'll 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 play by your rules right right and i I believe there's a, you know, with this, what we call the psychedelic renaissance, you know, I think that there is a, um, a, a real shift in terms of consciousness and spirituality and a real uh, need, uh, certainly for ceremony and community. I'm wondering, uh, you know, from your viewpoint, when you start, you know, looking at, you know, ways of consuming psychedelics, if you will, you know, from MDMA-assisted therapy to ayahuasca ceremonies, as you say, how do you see them differing in modes of consumption? You know, and and do you see a changing perhaps in the future with these the rise of psychedelic churches or, you know, uh, RFRA, Religious Freedom Restoration Act churches that really allow the sacrament as a as a use? You have thoughts about that, seeing the trending around it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a whole panoply of of options for people to, yeah, take psychedelics. So that there already is some some are existing in a grey area, um, some are abroad because you know folks don't want to operate in that grey area. Um, but yeah, there's there's obviously going to be economic pressure 
to put it inside a clinic as opposed to a kind of community ceremony where people are paying you know anywhere from 50 to 100 200 dollars a session whereas you know your oregon psilocybin trips like four thousand dollars right um but yeah in in that four thousand dollar session you can you're gonna get like one-on-one care whereas you know in a big room with loads of people on mushrooms might not be as as beneficial for for one's healing um yeah the ayahuasca stuff yeah it seems like in some places there's there's a bit of a crackdown and other places it's like folks are just operating i'm talking globally with like yeah total 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 license to to do what they want to do shamans selling ayahuasca on the street yeah 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 i mean there's serious questions here and i don't i don't necessarily know if having someone from the fda with a clipboard walking around is is going to solve any of these issues Mm. um Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. when anything grows as quickly as it has Mm -hmm. and when there's this much kind of money involved there's always going to be bad actors and Mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure that yeah community Mm-hmm. And word of mouth does does some good mm-hmm. in rooting folks out, but yeah, there clearly needs to be yeah way more safeguards in place and a, and a way more rigorous system for people to yeah check the authenticity and um, references that mm-hmm. yeah some of these providers have both both in the kind of um, legacy market and this emerging clinical market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was listening to somebody uh, recently talk about uh, you know a sense of a shift in reality uh, to a whole other reality uh, the digital the digisphere those who are living in the you know digital sphere versus those who are living in the physical reality uh, you know or IRL in real life uh, but you know I'm 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 wondering because you know it's hard to it's hard to imagine you can go on Instagram nowadays and. You know, you can buy whatever you want, and you know there is a uh, a real scare here in the U.S. about fentanyl and about you know uh, products that are laced with fentanyl. And you know, I think your point earlier about going to a ceremony, obviously doing the vetting and doing the work around that, versus going to a four thousand dollar you know organ you know uh, psychedelic assisted therapy provider. You know, there are different. I guess there are different qualities there. Do you have a a sense as to, I mean, we're going to be at Wonderland and this, the Miami conference is amazing because, you know, we've got this confluence of people from all walks of life coming together, whether or not they're on the indigenous side or on the, you know, whether or not they're in the research side or whether or not they're, you know, providers. I'm I'm just wondering uh, when you start taking a look at um, all of this area, you're doing some work around your Uncharted Territory podcast. So, and you've talked to a lot of people about, you know, these kind of different subjects. Do you have some sense as to, you know, in your own perspective, where the, you know, where we're going to be going? Is it all going to be medicalized or we're still going to have an underground culture or will it just be all legalized and people can decide based on their risk tolerance? whether or not to go to a community or go to a doctor. Yeah, I guess I would firstly say that I think that, yeah, the fentanyl issue in the US would be vastly, vastly reduced if, yeah, folks could receive medical grade diamorphine in supervised clinics, like mm-hmm. like what happens in Switzerland. Um, what, what do I think the future holds? 
I mean, last year in a city in Holland, these activists set up a kind of mock MDMA store and yeah, stimulating discussion around what, what models could it be? A kind of, yeah, neoliberal laissez-faire, yeah, buy it anytime you want or more like pharmacy model. Um, yeah, with, pres with prescriptions and, every and everything or somewhere kind of, yeah, in between. It's really, it's really going to depend for each, each substance. Um, but I just, I just think that at the end of the day, if folks do want to be able to get their hands on stuff, and as you say with Instagram, it's not just the dark web now. It's literally Instagram, Telegram. Anyone can get any, their hands on any sort of substance. Right. So the onus is really on on the state to yeah justify its, its mm -hmm. position really, mm -hmm. and yeah, make sure that everything that everyone is is yeah likely to consume is as safe as possible and actually you know the effect of prohibition just contaminates the drugs because they have to get smuggled and there's a there's like a massive profit motive and it's yeah all out in a wild west and like kids fighting over it right. so it's just the worst possible situation ever and I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of psychedelic assisted therapy. I'm a, a, a psychedelic assisted therapy provider, and I'm a big fan of mindfulness and meditation and looking at working, you know, using these, these tools, these medicines as a way to go ahead and realign, reboot, reset, reframe, and realign your your experience so that you can be more present in relationship to yourself as well as the world right you know sure. that's really at the end of the day we ought we we want to reduce the harm and you know uh, 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 increase the amount of benefit that comes from it in light of recent yeah. in light of uh, uh, you know looking at le legislation in the UK and you know some of these um, things that are happening as you had mentioned before uh policing of venues that you know participate in psychedelic ceremonies and you know that seems to be happening more and more often do you see this as a step in terms of you know safety for participants and you know do you do you see things sort of changing at all in that regard of misuse yeah, I mean, firstly, I would say that I think, yeah, the therapy aspect to it is really crucial. And it's where I personally have, have gleaned, yeah, the most benefits rather rather than, yeah, just doing the trip and then going home or, or even just having that sharing circle. I think that kind of, yeah, more rigorous one-on-one -on -one follow up integration therapy mm -hmm. is right. really where really where the good stuff can come with, with regards to, yeah, any any sort of yeah policing yeah i don't know a friend was telling me the other day that he was picking magic mushrooms last year and they were just pack they were just like packing up today they've got they've got hundreds and a police a, an unmarked police car arrived and yeah confiscated their mushrooms they said there's like a big problem with picking in the area and, and my friend was just bemused like what sort of problem and yeah i was asking him what he did to relax in the evening apparently he, he would drink like this kind of fruity copperberg cider you know fair enough probably not going to get a bad trip from it um but yeah i don't know i don't know like as i said i don't i don't think necessarily having a regulator with a with a clipboard going around and doing like an annual inspection 
of like each ceremony is necessarily gonna gonna solve everything, but some third party kind of oversight, I mm. think, yeah, is crucial because yeah, like you, at, at the moment you've only got the community to depend on, and obviously without a kind of whistleblower mm-hmm. kind of system, how many folks are gonna put want to put their head above the parapet and be like, hey, you know, this guy that we're like venerating into some sort of urban legend mm-hmm. actually put his finger up my uh, skirt mm-hmm. you know fairly like big big up big up everyone who's brave mm-hmm. enough to do so but yeah I, I imagine and i know because i just worked on a documentary in mexico that loads loads of people yeah obviously don't have the avenue to to do that and until some right. journalists start asking right. around right right so i think boundaries i i just had um a conversation around you know specific boundaries within ceremony, within guides, within these neo, working with neo shamans or working with anyone that claims to be a guide, you know, is, you know, are they, are they creating a safe space? Are you really talking about touch? Are you talking about, you know, what's good, what's not, and really helping to, through that therapeutic process, really helping to set the setting, you know, um, and, 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 and have the right intention so that the integration you know whatever happens whatever shows up because the medicine is inside the individual and if somebody you know if somebody has an experience you don't want you you're you're open you don't want to be you know invaded you know that's uh that's part of the problem but i do think yeah, that the exactly. qual- quality is going to be much better uh certainly um uh, I'm wondering, uh, from your viewpoint, what, what 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 would you like to talk about? What would you like? What what's what's the burning subject in your mind nowadays that's really kind of getting you uh, excited? Excited? I mean, yeah. I guess I I look at the direction of mm-hmm. travel here, and it's uh, uh, at the same time, yeah extremely exciting and mm-hmm. yeah concerning i see yeah like the bigger bigger groups i'm not sure that there's going to be able to be you know as good standards of care because we're already seeing that in ceremonies mm-hmm. and yeah i fear that there could be like a race to the bottom just like we see in mainstream healthcare mm-hmm. but really i'm i'm not seeking to yeah be be like an ambassador of of these concerns I think other other people, you know, have articulated them a lot better than I. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, I, I I see myself, I suppose, as as someone who's kind of lived the psychedelic renaissance, mm-hmm. just just through happening to be, you know, a twenty nine year old guy here who's mm-hmm. been on a bit of a quest to feel better and right has been been at parties where people have just suddenly whipped out a bag of magic mushrooms or I've yeah been mm-hmm. stupid enough to take drugs that have been contaminated mm-hmm. with yeah other other drugs and it's mm-hmm. spun me out or I've yeah been right. lucky enough to do ibogaine therapy and mm-hmm. really really understand the power of uh, and the danger mm-hmm. of that medicine so yeah I guess I'm yeah keen to just talk about mm-hmm. yeah my own experiences and yeah my the benefits that mm-hmm. i've i've had and also mm-hmm. 
yeah, some of the traumas that mm -hmm. I've yeah experienced through it. So let me so let me ask you uh, if we can if we can sort of dive into a a, a sort of a, a more mindful space. So what role do you believe in terms of you know looking at you know these psychedelics looking at these tools these medicines what role do you believe that mindfulness and or yoga or and or other lifestyle changes or lifestyle patterns can have uh on the individual and you know do you think that it really does require a therapeutic environment versus you know versus a you know a, a party environment if someone's really dealing with trauma yeah, I mean, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, I know I totally resonate with the stuff Ram Das was saying. He just kept mm -hmm. over and over taking acid because it was just a constant search for ascension. Mm. And yeah, what yoga and meditation does is yeah allow one to connect with oneself, mm -hmm. the body, the mind, mm -hmm. every, everything else. And yeah, to find that place of Zen that can be carried through the day without the use of any any substances or, or, or anything, really. I mean, yeah, I've recently nailed down 15 minutes minimum every morning. Oh, good. Good for you. Which I'm really glad about. And yeah, the yoga, yeah, is also yeah really vital for me. And yeah, I, I just think, yeah, it's a way to connect with with your body and mm -hmm. the disconnection from the body and the breath mm -hmm. is at the root of many many of the issues that we're facing and yeah psychedelics themselves mm -hmm. yeah aren't gonna aren't gonna sustain us it's it's having a meditative state of mind that will mm -hmm. get us there mm -hmm. I, I hasten to add all of the sugar that i've consumed today mm. might might not have helped me in that regard Mm -hmm. And might be why I'm talking a mile a minute, but it's, it's just one of it's just one of those things. It's one of those things. Some days I don't have any sugar. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that. So what I hear is from a biochemical viewpoint um, that you know we talk about the biopsychosocial model in terms of therapy, and then you know we talk about like just being present to your breath, just showing up in the moment, just showing up for what's whatever's going on and then being okay with that that you don't need to change that so when you're out of sync with that you know you're whether or not it's from coffee or sugar or whatever you're putting into your body or whether or not it's trauma unresolved trauma then you know the problem is you may not be able to you know be in your body as good as you would like to or as nice as you or as present as you'd like to so this is where I think, uh, you know, working through uh, therapy or working with, you know, some of these medicines is really very, very, very helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It mm -hmm. opens the window, opens right. the window to oneself, mm -hmm. consciousness itself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, can help rewire the brain. I mean, mm -hmm. after after I did the aboga, people were stopping me in the street saying that I seemed lighter. Mm. And yeah, it's obviously a, like a never ending path. And yeah, mm -hmm. definitely, I should say some of the lessons that have come very clearly during some of these psychedelic trips, I haven't, yeah, upheld mm. to mm. the to the letter of the law consistently. But yeah, it's a path. And 
yeah, that path includes not taking psychedelics all the time as well. And just having like a yeah regular yoga and meditation practice. Yeah, just being present to whatever is present. Yeah. So I, yeah, I want to ask you. Otherwise, what, otherwise yeah. it's yeah, it's just, it's just it's just crazy. And and you see it, you know, you see it like and mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I've been there earlier in my life, not with necessarily psychedelics, but just just raving mm -hmm. and yeah, it's it's you you've got you've got to be mindful with what you're consuming and do it in the right way, and yeah, it really doesn't have to be all the time at all. And and maybe quite possible one gets to a place where it really doesn't have to be like often at all, if if ever. And right. yeah, I'm sure that one could get these benefits also through through various other means. It just might might well speed up the process, especially in, in our very imperfect society. Hmm. So I, I want to ask you one last question, um, Metha. Um, so uh, when you look uh, ahead, you know, do you see any developments that you'd like to see perhaps, you know, within the psychedelics industry in the coming years? I mean, if we're looking at it's 2023, we're going into 2024. So, you know, let's kind of look ahead and what would what do you see happening in the industry? Yeah, I mean, or what would you like to see happening? Yeah, let's put it that way. I would like to see some of these psychedelic churches somehow managing to, yeah, bring their bring their sacraments to market at very very affordable prices, mm -hmm. because at, at the moment, yeah, it's not looking it's not looking great. Um, for, for a lot of people mm -hmm. if you want to go down the legal route and yeah I just think the most important thing is accessibility and of course with anything right like with an electric car at the beginning it was way more expensive and now it's yeah less expensive and a wider strata of people can can afford to drive them um, but I think that that needs to just be at the forefront of, of people's minds like access to quality quality like packages mm -hmm. of treatment um mm -hmm. but yeah part of that mm -hmm. we're going to need like macroeconomic change right so and i'm not sure the church would want to go after that that quickly right i'm not you know i i because you're right the churches are churches are having a hard time yeah, and I mean, this is part of why it got shut down in the 70s, right? Because it was part of a wider movement mm -hmm. for, yeah, refor reform throughout society. So, yeah, but I, I would say, look, like, let's not get caught up, everyone, with our own kind of very narrow mm -hmm. interests. And, yeah, look, mm -hmm. use, use the lessons that psychedelics teach us to look at the in interconnectivity of all things mm. and yeah understand as many people do that this can be a tool to yeah change society and, and the economy for the better and not allow it to mm. totally become this sort of yeah desensitized clinical mm -hmm. thing that right. people just get in a in a minuscule amount every day to just manage their symptoms right right well wouldn't it be wonderful if the real war uh was uh 
really around uh, the things that prevent us all from, you know, the basic necessities like food, shelter, clothing, you know, community, uh, the ability to connect in with the land, connect in with the earth, you know, connect in with the things that really are the things that are our brothers and sisters, you know, start looking at the world as a place where, you know, we're really taking care of each other. And I think that's perhaps, you know, the ideal that's maybe a utopian ideal, but uh, I, I think it's really possible. And I think that's what, you know, having a clear understanding through the use of psychedelics really keeps you or puts you in touch with is the ineffable beauty of the world and your own capability for love. Yeah, and I think everything is changing from the ground up, frankly, like, it will reach a critical mass mm -hmm. of people that don't totally subscribe to a kind of rational materialist mm -hmm. framework or just a nine to five kind of culture and, and the whole working mm -hmm. from home pandemic stuff has, has accelerated it to an extent and I think many people would be surprised to understand how many other people share their views that may not be reflected in the media or what politicians say or whatever so right. look, I think we're broadly yeah on some great great paths but there just needs to be a lot more yeah self-awareness and yeah understanding that there are shared struggles here and and yeah the quicker that people can create a united front the better really mm -hmm. um but then then it's more likely to to come into mm -hmm. yeah competing social forces which yeah. is is what the what the kind of psychedelic movement has largely well, think, tried to avoid i think burning man is up, was up to seventy thousand people or seventy five thousand people or you know i mean there is this uh and there's uh, you know this push in terms of the communities and the online communities last year there were three thousand people at wonderland i'm wondering and hoping that there will be as many this year if not more so it'll be good Yeah, i mean there was like thirteen thousand people at maps yep yep i it was, was really, there. yeah really yeah really really insane yeah. amazing I mean, yeah it was amazing it yeah. was amazing and really and look to, to have to have like that conversation between <laughs> Aubrey Marcus and mm -hmm. and Aaron Rodgers right. and you know I think I make that point in my talk like he's the mm -hmm. MVP he's the the best mm -hmm. American football player like can you imagine like the best like rugby or cricket right. Or, right. or soccer player right would <laughs> like, I have Rick Perry from Texas the you know open up the event I mean that was amazing as well yeah yeah I mean on yeah. some levels, I do, I do think, yeah, Americans are more open-minded than Brits, and and yeah, it's really interesting to mm. explore mm -hmm. why. Um, yeah, well, we can hopefully explore that uh, and have deeper conversations when we're down at Wonderland, Matha. Uh, tell me, uh, how would people get a hold of you? Uh, if they want to get more information about you and or the work you're doing and uh, certainly put out a, you know, a, a, a shout out for your new book, please. Yeah, well, thanks very much. Thanks for the conversation and thanks for the kind of evolution of the pronunciation of my name from from something. Yeah, not not exactly how, how it's pronounced. So then finishing with exactly my name Mayfer it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so impressive I, I did okay Mayfer all right in the end in the end so in right, the so. end I, I recapped myself I saved exactly. myself I hope people are here still to hear the <laughs> fact that I've I've recouped my my valor yeah, yeah I'd be interested to know what, what the kind of analytics of podcasts generally are like how often people mm -hmm. yeah stay till the very end 
Right. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram, Mafer, M-A-T-T-T-H-A, Mundo. Um, yeah, X, formerly known as Twitter, if anyone's, anyone's still there, just, just my first name and my surname. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much those places. And yeah, as I, as I say, like, yeah, the books is like a coffee table book. It's not like a weighty tome. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was happy to, happy to write it. Um, should all drugs be legalized? Yeah, the conversation's moving so swiftly that it already kind of feels a bit out of date. But yeah, mm-hmm. check out the podcast. I've put Good. the first ten episodes up, and now I'm yeah taking taking a little bit of break from uploading and just building up Good. building up a trench. I totally get that. I totally get that, my friend. So so beautiful, beautiful stuff. Thank you so much for joining the Mindfulness Experience podcast, Matha. And uh, I, I really have to tell you, it's been a pleasure having you on discussing all these topics. And I really wish you the best of luck with your book as well as your podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. Likewise. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.